The Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission, the National Park Service, and PRX present The Agitators, a play by Matt Smart. Last episode, we left Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony at an anti-slavery society meeting in Albany, New York, on February 5, 1861. While the fighting hadn't started yet, seven states had already seceded from the Union. Tensions were high. To give you a little background on the facts, Frederick recruited Susan to be a speaker for the Anti-Slavery Society. Not only because he believed she could be a powerful voice in the fight, but because he believed her to be physically strong enough for the task. Traveling at that time was grueling. Trains had terrible suspension and shock absorption. Train cars often filled with smoke and soot from the engines. On top of that, anti-slavery society speakers often had to face mobs. This was nothing new for Frederick, but it certainly was for Susan. She proved up to the task. Another thing. It is true that Susan and Frederick both knew Harriet Tubman and helped her lead enslaved African Americans to freedom. Rochester, New York was one of the last stops on the Underground Railroad before Canada. Now let's get back to it. I'm Ashley C. Ford. This is The Agitators. Episode 2, From Bondage to Freedom. It's still 1861. We're at the Anti-Slavery Society meeting. Frederick and Susan have just locked themselves in a small storage room. The sound of the mob pulses all around them. Smoke is everywhere. (coughs) (coughs) What happened? Someone threw pepper in the stove. Uh, Your lip uh, is bleeding. It happened when the mob slammed into us. We need to get you to a doctor. It is nothing. When your father finds out how I have put you in harm's way. I am 40 years old. I do not answer to my father. Well, yes, but... You are in danger tonight, same as I. But this is my fault for dragging you into this. I chose to accept this position with the Anti-Slavery Society. Need I remind you that last night in Syracuse, they dragged in effigy of you through the streets and set it on fire? Better it than me. They have bricks and knives and guns. Mayor Thatcher has promised to sit on the stage with us with a loaded revolver in his lap. He will keep the order. But what if he must use it? Are you prepared to condone that violence and cast aside your Quaker beliefs? This fight takes precedence. This this is madness. We cannot speak tonight. As soon as Elizabeth and Lucretia arrive, we must all leave out the back. I cannot believe my ears. This feels no different than a mob I spoke to in Indiana. They threw rocks at me. One gashed me here, across my temple. And even though the blood covered my face, I spoke on. They overtook the platform. They beat me. They shattered my wrist and knocked me unconscious. They only stopped because they thought I was dead. Why did you speak on? Because I was a fool. Or was it because you refused to be silenced? There are men out there who have never heard a woman speak in public. Or a black man. If we can change the mind of one of those... It is not safe! No, it is not. But there must be no union with the slaveholders. We must convince as many people in the North as we can as fast as we can. 
Those who profess to favor freedom and yet deprecate. Oh, do not quote me to me! I am willing to die for this. I am willing to die to end slavery in this country. Are you? I answered that question long ago. Uh. Uh. Those who profess to favor freedom and yet deprecate agitation are people who want crops without plowing the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning, or they want the ocean without the roar of its many waters. The struggle may be a moral one, or it may be a physical one, or it may be both, but it will be a struggle. Power, Power concedes nothing, nothing without, without a, demand. a demand. It, it never, never did, and it, and it never, never will. Frederick and Susan unlocked the door and charged through it together. I thought I heard something. Did you not hear something? It is nearly three months later. Night. The Douglas House, South Avenue, Rochester, New York, April 28, 1861. Susan and Frederick stand in the open doorway. I thought I heard footsteps. As did I. How can it be so quiet? We are at war now. How can it be quiet? Every morning I open the newspaper new and damp from the press. I am afraid it will say the Capitol has fallen. I have not slept in the two weeks since Fort Sumter. Will your brothers fight? It is against our Quaker beliefs, but yes, Daniel and Merritt will fight. My whole family supports their decision, but I dread the not knowing that will come with it. When Merritt fought with John Brown and Osawatomie five years ago, the weeks we waited, not knowing if he was alive or dead, were unbearable. Will your sons enlist, if they are ever allowed to? They will be the first in line. Let the black man get upon his person the brass letters U.S. Let him get an eagle on his button, a musket on his shoulder, bullets in his pocket. There is no power on earth which can deny that he has earned the right of citizenship in the United States. Was that something? Must have been the wind. Feels like rain in the air. Do you think Harriet will have news? <laughs> when has Harriet Tubman ever not had news? <laughs> Indeed. Oh, let us set out the blankets. No. If it storms, I do not want you caught out in it. Go home. We can take them all. No. My family has vowed to take half. I will wait until they arrive and then escort them to our farm. Oh, yes, but we... We already have the blankets set out in our living room. Let us set them out here, too. They come back inside the house and close the door. 
Susan goes to a stack of folded blankets that rests on top of a wooden file cabinet. She begins unfolding the blankets lengthwise on the floor, one by one. Frederick sits down and does not help with the blankets. What a feast Anna has made for them. I tried to get here earlier. I wanted to help her cook. She is used to it. When I arrived, she barely could keep her eyes open, and yet I had to plead with her to go to bed. She said she baked 20 loaves of bread today. She wants there to be enough for them to take along tomorrow to Canada. And how many loaves of bread did you bake today? Come again? Do you know how to make bread? Why would I make bread? Perhaps your wife would welcome the help. Susan abruptly drops a blanket into Frederick's lap. Reluctantly, he begins to help Susan set out the blankets. They take books from Frederick's bookshelf. Madame Bovary. They put one book at the top of each blanket to be used as a pillow. Aesop's Fables. Robbie Burns. David Copperfield. Is this what it looks like? When I was in England last year, he attended one of my lectures. With admiration to Fred Douglas, your fellow man of letters, Charles Dickens. What was he like? He was in a hurry. And he had breadcrumbs in his goatee. That is all I remember. We cannot put this one out. No, please, leave it. I may not be able to bake bread, but at least I can provide a pillow that is signed by Charles Dickens. I've decided on September 3rd, for my birthday. The day you escaped. The day I escaped. How I loathe that this has become routine. We are helping human beings from bondage to freedom. It is a sacred act, and yet it is routine for us. Lord, please protect Harriet and our friends. Please let them travel here unimpeded and unassailed. Let them find their way to us with the ease of a shuttle flying in the loom of a weaver. Amen. Amen. You still do not remember it? No. But I will find it. I will check on the water. No. Oh, I will. I at least know how to check if a tub of water is warm. Or not. (laughs) Frederick exits to the kitchen. By now, there are five or six makeshift beds on the floor. Susan goes to the blankets Frederick set out. She straightens them. Susan finally sits down. She starts taking off her boots and stockings. Dear Lord, my feet. 
Frederick re-enters. He has a towel over his shoulder, and he carries a washbin full of steaming hot water. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Susan Anthony has sat down. Shush. <laughs> My feet are throbbing. Oh. My wrist is throbbing as well. It never healed correctly. Every time I write, it feels as though it is on fire. I'm using the B now in my name. Susan B. Anthony? Yes. That will take some time to get used to. Susan puts her feet into the hot water. Oh, heavenly. Frederick puts his bad wrist in the water. Mm-hmm. Yes, please, and thank you. I still do not know how you bear to soak your wrist alongside my feet. Oh, I have smelled much worse than yours. Thank you? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, what a fool I was. To be so reckless in the winter of 55 when I petitioned for married women's property rights. Why did I think it was a good idea to go to every county in New York in the dead of winter? It is only luck that the frostbite did not claim any of my toes. Or worse. Oh, but still, my feet are wrecked. And for what? I was the shipwrecked sailor. Shouting at the sea, yelling at the sea of fat white men in Albany about property rights and temperance. But the sea does not move on its own. It is moved by the wind, and the wind is the vote. It was lunacy to think they would listen to anyone without the power to vote them out of office. Even my father has finally come around. Abraham Lincoln got that Quaker to the polls. You and I had something to do with that as well. True. I try to imagine it sometimes, what it will feel like to have a voice. Imagine the North victorious, slavery abolished. Amen. Amen. Imagine, all of us, all women and men, every shade, every color, all of us together enfranchised. Amen. Amen. Let us go together, the first time we vote. Let us stand next to each other as we cast our first ballots. Shall we? We shall. What a glorious day that will be. Hmm. Fight for my rights, Aunt Susan. (laughs) Remember when little Annie said that to you? Yes. Fight for my rights. It was a year last month. A year our Annie is gone. She would have been 12. I think of her every day. Do you know how to ice skate? Yes. Why? She always wanted to go ice skating on the Genesee River. Every winter, every time it was cold enough to freeze, she begged us. We never took her. 
Now Anna and I did not know how to ice skate, but, but why did we not learn? Why did we not buy her skates and take her? Do you hear something? Damn it, where are they? Why aren't they here yet? Let us speak of something else. No good will come from our worrying. Tell me a joke. I do not know any jokes. Oh, surely you must. I know an April joke. Shall I tell it, since it is April? Please. Why was the soldier so tired in April? Because he just had a march of 31 days. <clears throat> a thief broke into a lawyer's house. But you need not worry, after a terrible struggle, the lawyer succeeded in robbing the thief. No. Those are the only two jokes I know. I have one. Two scholars had a heated argument about who was smarter. One of the scholars yelled, I bet you do not even know the Latin word for goose. And the other scholar stopped short and thought and thought. And eventually he said, Alas, I do not know the answer. <laughs> I do not understand. Alas, I do not know the answer. What? Answer is Latin for goose. We are not funny. We are hilarious. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> How about a story then? <laughs> Tell me a story. Take, take our minds far away from here. On the days that my feet especially hurt, you know what I think of? Hmm. How my life would be different if I had accepted the hot plank man's proposal. What now? Have I never told you about my hot plank man? No. He proposed to me during that terrible winter six years ago. Wait, proposed what? Marriage. Is that so? Do not act so surprised. <laughs> I have received many marriage proposals over the years. I forget if it was Schenectady or Johnstown, but it was a bitterly cold night. The lecture hall was freezing. The gas lighting was out. And right before I was to speak, he appeared, like a bearded angel with a steaming, thick plank baked delightfully hot. He put it under my feet right there on the stage, and it felt like a little plank of heaven. Throughout the evening, he brought me hot cups of tea. The next day, he appeared with his sleigh, pulled by two beautiful gray mares. And again, the hot plank right there in the sleigh for under my feet. This went on for several days, and he was a proper gentleman. He was a perfectly adequate conversationalist. But finally, unable to stop himself, he blurted out, Please, Susan, leave this terrible life you are living and marry me. I shall share with you my heart, my home, and my hot plank oh, forever. he did not. <laughs> <laughs> he did. I told him I was flattered, but the life I was living was the only one I found endurable. And then he howled. Oh, modern woman. 
Modern woman is beyond any ordinary man's comprehension. <laughs> and off he went, taking his hot plank with him forever. <laughs> you have barely let your feet soak. Oh, I've been sitting long enough. Now, now, I am curious. How many marriage proposals have you received? Do not make me regret telling you. Is it more or less than ten? Shush. Fifteen. Twenty? <laughs> more than twenty? Oh, so it is more than twenty. I am impressed, Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> I am forty-one years old now. The proposals have stopped. We could try to find your hot plank man. I will never be a mother. I did not know you wanted to be. It is not that I did not want to be a mother. It is that I was unwilling to sacrifice my whole life and everything I am fighting for to do so. <clears throat> Why can Anna barely read? There is no American more gifted with words than you. You are admired by Charles Dickens himself, and yet your wife cannot read. I do not understand it. All of your children can read. Why not Anna? I hired her a tutor once. Anna sent her packing after one day. She does not want to learn. Or does she not have the time to learn? When I arrived tonight, Anna was ready to fall over in the kitchen and you were reading the newspaper with your feet up. Do you believe her sole purpose is to cook and wash and raise your children while you are away lecturing? Oh, there is nothing in this world more important than raising children. So when your children were infants, did you change their cotton gowns and diapers? If Anna needed to go to a convention, like you so often do, would you mind the children for a week, for a month, for a year? How is Anna any different than your maid? Careful. I do not understand. On the platform, you say women have no greater champion than Frederick Douglass. But here, on South Avenue, behind closed doors, do you believe something else? Anna has her role. I have mine. Both are equally important. And that... Frederick, is why I had to choose between leading this fight and being a mother. These roles made it impossible for me to do both. If ever a man said to me, let us work together in this great cause. Let me be your companion and aid, for I admire you more than any woman I have ever admired. Let us be partners in this great fight. Let us be equals outside the home and within it. If ever a man proposed that to me, then I would be married. But no man ever did. And I wonder if any man has ever proposed that to any woman. End of episode two. This was The Agitators by Matt Smart from the Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission, the National Park Service, and PRX Productions. The podcast adaptation was envisioned by Commission Executive Director Anna Lehman with support from Kelsey Millay. 
Performances by Madeline Lambert as Susan B. Anthony and Cedric Mays as Frederick Douglass. Directed by Logan Vaughn, original music and score by Juliette Jones and Rootstock Republic. The production team includes executive producer Jocelyn Gonzalez and managing producer Genevieve Sponsler. Post-production sound and mixing by Sandra Lopez-Monsalve and Ian Koss. Original music and score recorded, mixed, and mastered by Joshua Velo. Theme song production by Hunter Lamar. Special thanks to David Herman of Good Studio, Dan Dietrich of Wall to Wall Recording, and Aaron Sparks and Jacob Mann at Edge Media Studios. I'm Ashley C. Ford. To learn more about the history of the suffrage and abolition movements, visit the show's website at go.nps.gov slash suffrage podcast. What do you think you know about a woman's right to vote? What if what you learned in school isn't the whole story? And what if suffrage is about more than getting to the polls? I'm Retta. And I'm Rosario Dawson. Join us for And Nothing Less, a podcast honoring the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. From the Women's Suffrage Centennial Commission, the National Park Service, and PRX. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.